Well, good morning, good evening, good night, whatever time of day it is that you took out to spend with me here on Over and Under. Very appreciative that you did. I know your time is very limited, and there's five gazillion podcasts that you could be listening right now, but you chose this one, so I'm going to do my best to make it worth your while for the next 30 to 60 minutes. I'm going to jump right back into the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And what really sparked me to do so, or what motivated me to do so, was incredibly, on Morning Joe, they get Peter Strzok. If you remember Peter Strzok, he was the one that had so much contempt. And I, my personal opinion, again, hatred towards Donald Trump and his supporters. As we always do, let's jump in this rabbit hole, see if we can find a way back to the top and back out. Let's do this. You're at the Over Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. So yes, in order to put your mind and my mind at ease that everything being done at Mar-a-Lago and the handling of the documents that we're taking from President Trump's home, In order to achieve that, they elicit the help of none other than Peter Strzok. Now, before I say anything else about Peter Strzok, I'm going to tell you that the Office of Inspector General looked into it, and they did not feel like his biases played any role in how the Trump collusion investigation, however you, whatever you want to call that, whatever that was, still trying to figure out what that was, that his biases did not play into how he went about doing his job. That's only fair. It's also fair to tell you that the same agency, Office Inspector General, concerning, and this is their words, the basic fundamental and serious errors in handling of surveillance applications for the campaign advisor Carter Page, where, to the best I can tell, and I've tried to follow these people, this is where the collusion thing starts at. This is what the Inspector General had to say about that. We are deeply concerned that so many basic and fundamental errors were made by three separate hand-picked investigative teams on one of the most sensitive FBI investigations after the matter had been briefed to the highest levels within the FBI, even though the information sought through the use of FISA authority related so closely to an ongoing presidential campaign, and even though those involved with the investigation knew that their actions were likely to be subjected to close scrutiny. See, people like me have a hard time reconciling those two statements because I'm going to take it and uh, I'm going to take it that Strzok was part of one of those teams. He was very much involved in that investigation. How do you reconcile that? How do you make those two statements and reconcile them? So maybe that's why you should care about what somebody like me thinks because People, I've been very honest with you. First of all, these are my opinions and my impressions. I invite you to them. You can do with them what you wish. I don't ever expect for you to take something that I share with you and just grab hold of it and take it as the God's gospel truth, although I'm, I'm doing my very best to be incredibly honest and sincere with you. I want to get you to look into these things because these things do not make any sense. I was watching a guy on Twitter, and he's walking down the street, and he goes by a homeless encampment, and he takes his cell phone out, and he captures the fact that there is one of those bracelets on one of the ankles. And, you know, he's, he's, he walks around San Francisco all the time, and he's walking amongst the human manure on the streets, the discarded 
needles and but on this one you know he says hey help me make sense of this or what he says is san francisco make this make sense i tweeted him back and said dude you have an incredible t-shirt you've got an incredible bumper sticker you need to you need to pursue that that's 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 good stuff there back to what we're talking about that i'm looking towards my government and i'm looking at these things i take it as a contradictory statement it's hard for me to reconcile those two that Peter Strzok was not biased, which I'm going to get into that in a moment and share with you why I struggle with that. And then turn right around and criticize the FBI for what they call their deep concern over so many basic and fundamental errors. Again, how many times are we going to look at this agency and let them get away with, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, that's that's my bad. I'm, I missed something here. We'll, we'll try to do better in the future. I mean, there's just some things that are of such a nature, a presidential election being one of them, where that's not acceptable. And it was, in my opinion, very acceptable to fire Peter Strzok. And now we're going to get into why I feel that way, why my opinion is tilted that way. So here we go. So here's Peter Strzok in his own words, or should I say text. And Peter Strzok is a special agent for the FBI. Lisa Page is a, um, I think, attorney works directly for Andrew McCabe. And here's some of the text that uh, follows. Now, these are not in any order. This was not one text uninterrupted. These are just different things that he uh, said about Donald Trump and his supporters, and I'll quote him, Loudoun County, Virginia residents are ignorant hillbillies. Next one, just went to Southern Virginia Walmart. I can smell the Trump support. And now this is struck to page. How was Trump other than a douche? Another one, uh, page to Strzok. Trump is not ever going to become president, right? Strzok replies, no. No, he won't. We'll stop it. This is struck to page in another one. I want to believe the path that you threw out in Andy's office, that there is no way he gets elected. But I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an insurance policy, an unlikely event you die before you're 40. And I talked about this in the last podcast. What was that insurance policy? And I don't think anybody can say objectively anyway what that meant. But there's an inference or somebody like myself could take away that in the unlikely possibility that Donald Trump is elected, we got something that we can go to. We have an insurance policy, and we'll use it. And he uh, compares it to having a policy in place that you use in the event that you die before you're 40. Now, you don't pull something out like an insurance policy until there's a death, right? It's not executed until somebody dies. So can we take that he made an accurate an accurate assessment and a, and a comparing the two, an insurance policy that you uh, cash in when you die, because that would mean that we're not going to go down this route unless he becomes the president of the United States. If we don't need it, we won't use it. If not, then we're going to execute it. That's how one could take that. And that path that he was referring to, that was referred to in Andy's office, and one, I'm, I'm going to take it that he meant Andy McCabe's office. Where else could it have possibly been? But McCabe, you know, was fired himself for leaking information or information about an ongoing investigation to the Wall Street Journal. And an investigation was launched to find out who did that. He was asked if he had anything to do that. He denied that. And it wasn't until one of 
the investigators of the FBI, and this should give you some type of hope for the organization because I, I keep getting told that there are very good people in the FBI. It's the leadership and the, the existing culture that we're experiencing, but there are actually some very good people. But anyhow, an investigator has to set him down, lets him know that he's been investigating him, and this is me using my own words, but he's being confronted. He's being set down there, there eye to eye, and he's letting them know he has spoken to other people. He goes on to tell McCabe that we're getting into the area of due process. He's basically telling him what you have told us and the information that we've gathered, we're getting ready to start an investigation into you. That's how I take it. How would you take it? Now, this is in the uh, agent's own words. With all due respect, this is what you told us. This has caused us some kind of, you know, sidetracking here now with the same information other people told us. Now, this is when McCabe came clean. McCabe has a choice right here and right now. He can either stay with his story, hope that the people that this investigator has talked to can be discredited, or he's thinking, has he gotten to the source? Because if I remember correctly, it was Lisa Page that he had leak this information. So here we are right here and right now. This is very formal. And he's trying to figure out, do I double down or do I admit to it? And I think he made the right decision by admitting that he did this. Now, this had nothing to do with the Russian collusion thing. But I'm just trying to get you to ask yourself, was this a one-time lie that Andrew McCabe told where he let an investigation go forward the whole time? And his defense that he puts forth is that the initial time that he was asked that, he was not prepared for that question. How much preparation would you need if somebody asked you if you authorized a leak to a news outlet? That's a yes or no question. How much preparation do you need for that? I'm not getting that. And, you know, let me just digress here a little bit. Why would you care at all what Ed Henderson thinks about anything? That's actually a very good question. Well, it's simply this. Whether you're just an average person like myself or you are somebody in law enforcement, you're a member of the FBI, these things so often end up in front of a jury of peers. We're not experts. We take the information that you bring forth in front of us and we do our very best. And contradictions are very hard for people like myself. When I cannot find coherency, when things do not seem to be adding up, and especially when you have testimony, when you have people by their own words that would lead you to think something much different. And Peter Strzok, for me, does just that. I can't look at those statements that he made about Donald Trump and the people that support him and not believe that there was no bias. I know that the inspector general thought otherwise. He is the authority. He's the one that did the investigation. That's why I'm not burning down buildings and being some type of radical because I believe in the law and I believe eventually if it doesn't happen today, I still have enough faith in the American system that eventually Lies will be shown for what they are. But I'm just trying to tell you that if I'm sitting on a jury and I'm looking at these comments made by Peter Strzok, I definitely do not want him heading an investigation. And I surely would not have him on my new show. I would not even have him on this podcast. I can use all the help I can get right now in promoting this podcast. And I'm sure it would be so sensational to have somebody like 
Peter Strzok on my podcast. I'm sure you would tune in. But I can promise you if, if I brought him on, it would not be to try to bring any type of credibility to this podcast. He is the very last person I would want anywhere around me and my show. And evidently, Mueller, when he was doing his investigation and all this came to light, promptly removed him from the investigation during that, that Mueller report, which turned out to show there just wasn't a whole lot of there there. When you have an investigation predicated on bad information, I'm being very kind by just saying bad information, everything that's going to follow is going to be bad. It was built on a very bad foundation I would say a false foundation. What did you expect for it to do other than crumble? Okay, so I get it. You don't like Trump and you, you like all these tactics that are being brought on Trump. But let me flip it around. Let's just say, I don't know, hypothetically, you're a big BLM supporter and you know they're being investigated for tax fraud and mishandling of funds, which we know they would never be guilty of something like that, right? And so Peter Strzok has been put in charge of the investigation, and he makes comments about how BLM supporters are ignorant, that uh, he just left, I don't know, Compton, California, and he could smell the BLM support. And uh, then he goes on to say that, you know, if we can't get a conviction, uh, we do have an insurance policy in place. I think that you would be really, really concerned. And I'm not a big BLM supporter by any stretch of the imagination, but even I would say this investigation is problematic. So just remember, when they use these kinds of tactics against Donald Trump or some crazy people in Michigan that are thinking about kidnapping a governor or come up with a plan to help them do this, they can do the very same thing to you. People, I would hope that we could be just, that we could be right. But if we're just absolutely incapable of that, could we at least be consistent in the application of law? You know, when you're just an everyday citizen and you're trying to sift through all this minutia, trying to make sense of what you're hearing, what appears, like to me, a lot of times to be contradiction, you've got to be very honest. You don't know any parties. I don't know Donald Trump. I don't know Peter Strzok. I don't know Andrew McCabe. I don't know Lisa Page personally. But, you know, there's some things that you do, or at least I do, uh, I try to see who's the most consistent. I remember when Donald Trump came out and said, my campaign is being surveilled. I was like, this dude is, well, his cheese has done slid off his cracker. You know, he's, he's paranoid. That was true. That has been proven categorically to be absolutely true. When the Democrats were trying to tell you that they had irrefutable evidence that Donald Trump was colluding with Russians. Donald Trump said that was an absolute lie. That has proven to be true. They, they were lying. They did not have irrefutable evidence. They didn't have evidence. Again, Donald Trump was correct. I don't know about you, but if you are sitting on a jury, you are asked in that moment in time to do your very best. What, what was proven? about the people's character, who was, told, who was shown to be told, telling the truth. And if you want to be absolutely honest in these conversations, that's, all, that's the best a jury can ever do. They take the evidence that is presented before them, and you only hope that they come to the right decision, but you've got 12 people that were not right there at the time. But those things that I just shared with you, those are facts. These are things that the FBI is no longer refuting there is some 
nuance as to whether we call that whole thing a witch hunt. But again, why should you care about what I think? Because it's going to be people like myself that's going to be sitting on that jury. And of course, as you know, as these things go, prosecution gets to have a say who sits on that jury. They get so many shots at it. But if it's done right, there's going to be a mix. There's going to be people who are going to feel like I do. There's going to be people that are going to look at that evidence and think that it was just a slam dunk. They absolutely proved it, but you've got to get 12. That's why you should care about what people like I think, or one reason why you should care why somebody like me holds the feelings that I do. Okay, so it's already started. Trump is accusing the FBI of taking his passports, which my understanding is that they are denying. We'll see who's telling the truth about that. And uh, taking attorney-client uh, privilege documents from his home. Now, I haven't seen the search warrant. I do know that the affidavit is not being made public. Those reasons for why that search warrant was executed and from what reasons, as we were talking about in the uh, Trump-Russia collusion or that fake Trump-Russian collusion, it was done and predicated on false premises. There, it, was, it was faulty information. So affidavit, we, I, I would think that the FBI would want to go ahead and put that out there. They would want to have incredible transparency as they go forward on this uh, former president, given the history that they have with them. And I say this because, you know, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what I'm hearing to be true, that there are still good, honest people in the FBI. What if there is truly something to this investigation? which I'm very skeptical of. And anybody would be very skeptical of this investigation. But with that being said, why would they not want to make all this very transparent? I can tell you right now, I'm already hearing some of the most incredibly crazy things like he had the codes to the nuclear bomb and he was going to give that to Russia to use against the United States. I'm just going to have to tell you right now, I am not ever going to believe that Donald Trump was trying to take nuclear codes and give them over to a hostile enemy of the United States of America. Matter of fact, during his presidency, there was much to prove quite the opposite of that. I mean, think about Iran, Some, somebody who is committed and dedicated to wiping Israel and the United States off of the face of the earth. Was it Donald Trump that was trying to advance their nuclear ambitions, or was it people like John Kerry or Barack Obama? And you're trying to tell me that he took the uh, nuclear codes and he wanted to give them to a hot... No, no, I, if my memory ser serves me correct... Donald Trump put the United States first. He was the president of the United States, not the president of the world, and he served its interest. So, yeah, I'm not going to be your boy if you need somebody on a jury. Look at this president and think that he could have got the nuclear codes and he was going to sell them or give them away to somebody who would do harm to this country. And is this really about the safety of the United States of America? Or is it like my son asked, could it possibly be we're coming up towards an election? This is a very important midterm election. By all signs, it would look like the Republicans will make some significant gains in both the House and the Senate. Is this meant to be like the Russian collusion investigation? To do nothing other than to keep people conflicted, confused, 
or to try to draw the perception from those people who call themselves moderates. They're not committed to Democrats. They're not committed to Republicans. Can this just serve to discolor or present this president who looks like it's going, he's going to be a presidential candidate? I listening to the Democrats, I thought you can't pursue somebody if they're in the family of a president who is running for office. I think very flimsily that's what they based Donald Trump's second impeachment when he wasn't in office or the first one. I don't know what he was I know he, what he wasn't impeached for. He was not impeached for Russian collusion, which was supposed to be the premise for all that. But here we are looking into Hunter Biden and and the Biden's dealings, not just Joe Biden, but family members that are involved in different businesses around the world. And I asked this in another podcast, what in the world do these people have to sell other than the influence that Joe Biden peddles? They typically take on jobs that they have no experience in, The only thing they have is that familial relationship with Joe Biden who can pull some triggers and and can move some mountains in order to achieve some things for these interests. I am not making that accusation, but that is exactly what he can do. And that's what they have access to because God knows they have not shown in any shape, form or manner that they have anything else. On top of that, there is a former business associate of Hunter Biden, who was there, who does have firsthand knowledge, and says that is exactly what was going on. Again, how is somebody like myself, how how are they to deal with these contradictions? How am I not to believe that Republicans are treated one way and Democrats are treated another way? Another case that Strzok was involved with was the investigation into the emails of Hillary Clinton. He wasn't the only one, but if you remember when Comey came out, I'm watching it. I'm watching it in real time, and I'm listening to what that FBI investigation found. And for the first time, I thought, oh, my God, they have got Hillary Clinton. I think she's getting ready to go to prison. But no, after laying an incredibly strong case against Hillary Clinton, he says something that I don't think she intended to do that. I don't think she meant to do that, which I don't even see how that's even remotely to be considered. Did she do it or did she not? But he finishes up after laying this incredibly strong case of the sensitive material that Hillary Clinton was putting out on an unsecured server. It was determined that she was making information available to people who did not have the security clearances to be getting the briefs She was taking information from people who were not part of the staff and utilizing that. And I'm talking about Sidney Blumenthal, to be more specific, if you want to look into that. That's very fascinating. Maybe I'll do a podcast on just that relationship. But then he goes on to say no prosecutor would ever pursue this. That that was going to be his recommendation to then Attorney General Loretta Lynch, who previously met with Bill Clinton on a tarmac on her private jet and went on to say they just had small talk. They wanted to talk about how the grandchildren are doing. I don't even know if Bill ever met her grandchildren or she met Bill's grandchildren. I, I think I think Chelsea's got a kid now. I don't know if, if she doesn't. That makes that conversation even more bizarre. But to think that his wife is under such a serious investigation and he is a 
former president. They realize that both of their planes are on the tarmac, and he just walks in to, on her, to her jet. And they say they have no other conversation but small talk. So back to Comey's recommendation. Uh, after he lays out a strong case, I'd say for prosecution, but then ends up with no prosecutor would ever uh, prosecute Hillary because she, I guess she didn't know what she was doing. That's, that's crazy. Loretta Lynch takes it. She says, I've heard the recommendations of the FBI and uh, we're not going to prosecute. Well, how about that? Again, I don't know how Comey came up with that line of reasoning that she did not know what she was doing and her tensions were not, were not bad. Again, intention doesn't even come to play here. It might come into the degree when it comes to sentencing, but think what he's trying to say here that a trained lawyer, former first lady of Arkansas, first lady of the United States, and people have often said that that was a co-presidency between Bill and Hillary, and I, I would say that there is something to that. But she's the first lady for eight years. She is a uh, New York senator. She is a secretary of state. This woman has decades, 40, what, 40 years, maybe 50 years at doing this kind of work knowing about classified information, and yet FBI Director Comey makes Hillary Clinton sound like she's some type of novice, like she's some type of intern trying to figure out how things work in the State Department. So did Secretary Clinton really not understand the policies that she put forth on her own employees and explain the disciplinary action that would take place if they violated them? I don't know how you take somebody like Donald Trump, to the best of my knowledge, never held an elected office until he became president of the United States. There's no talk about, hey, he hasn't been around this too long. You know, he would not have known about this, didn't know about that. And then on the other side, you have Hillary Clinton. She is a career politician. Again, you know, I'm not trying to impress you that I'm somebody that's real intelligent and real smart, but I can tell you this, I am a common man. I struggle with that argument. And if you're listening to me and you have any connection with the FBI, maybe you should call somebody like me as you're going forward, because I don't know what they give you in your education to make you be able to hold contradictions in your head and make it uh, seem right. I'm not ever going to get there. So you can say that I'm ignorant. You can say I have no understanding of the law. But you're also going to have to accept the fact that you very well might be putting this up in front of 12 people just like me. And it's going to have to make sense because we don't have that kind of education where we can hold contradictions in our head at the same time and it, and it, and it sits right. That's for fiction. That's for books like 1984. That's exactly what they did in 1984. That was the end goal to be confronted with a contradiction and somehow or another get it in a place mentally where you don't even recognize it, where you can so freely move in and out of facts and lies, contradictions. Uh, that's, what, that's why I keep talking about 1984. I'm now reading it for the third time. I read it as a school assignment one time. I read it again as a very young adult, and I couldn't help but think about some of the correlations, but it sure seemed like fiction to me at the time. And uh, this third time, <clears throat> I, I swear, it looks like a playbook. It looks like a playbook. And it's amazing that people will so quickly follow into a herd mentality that they're just sheep and they won't ask uh, questions. And if you do ask questions, you are you pay a price for that. You pay a price for that. In the book 1984, Your Life, 
in the United States in 2022, that could bring a lot of pressure on you from employers. I don't know, people might sue you to shut you up and incarcerate you. That might be the price that you have to pay for having an opinion or for trying to look through this material and come away with any other judgment other than those people like the FBI, other than Hillary Clinton, Jim Comey. Yeah, it doesn't it. You don't fare too well when you're an outsider. Not today. Now, if you remember my last podcast, I keep saying that I keep hearing that there are very good people in the FBI. I, I believe that's true. And it does appear that they are now starting to come forward. Now, I don't have the listenership to say that I had any influence on that, but it was my insight that if those people have any hope for their organization, because the FBI has lost all credibility, or let's say it's been hurt greatly. If these people have any hope for the FBI, they better start coming forward because they are held, their leadership, their leadership is held to the same high level of ethics, honesty, and integrity as they are. If they're not demonstrating it at the highest levels in that organization, I would say that it is incumbent amongst those people to come forward. And I still have the hope and faith that that is the truth with the majority. It's just so often a few people who hold so much influence and power that it makes the larger population intimidated. They watch what happens to one of them when somebody tries to stand up. So let me make this recommendation that not only do people need to start coming forward, don't let somebody take the bullet. When you see somebody making that move and you know otherwise, you get right up there and you stand right beside them too. You support those people. You don't, you don't sit by quietly and pray for them, wish them well, hope everything goes okay, hope they know what they're getting into because this could be bad. It could cost them their job. No, you get up and you support those people, and especially if you have information, good, solid information that will support what they're doing, you come forward with that. It's been said more than one time, and I don't know who to attribute it to, and I don't know if I'll say it correctly, but it says evil will flourish when good men do nothing. That's what's going on in the United States of America today. Good people are sitting back and not doing anything. So I want to encourage you. We need to attack this nonsense. We need to attack these issues of people lying, trying to make you say a man can have a baby. A man cannot have a baby. A baby. A man can have an abortion. A man cannot have an abortion. Again, I'm going to encourage you to read 1984. In that scenario... It might have seemed like not a whole lot to keep your life and your job and your uh, security, but they wanted to get you to say 2 plus 2 equals 5. Because if they can get you to believe 2 plus 2 equals 5, there is nothing or nobody they can't get you to bow down to. Our 1984 in 2022 is, can a baby, (laughs) I was getting ready to say, can a baby have a man, but why not? Babies can have adults. Yeah, Six-week fetus can give birth to a full-grown man. Man can be a baby, baby can be a man, man can have abortion, abortion. I mean, it is insanity. Let's put an end to it, people. Let's do like that guy in San Francisco that is walking around as everybody is saying everything is good, everything is fine. He's showing you reality. And I love the way that he phrases this. San Francisco, let's make this make sense. San Francisco, he's telling them, San Francisco, make this make sense. I'm going to steal that from him. America. 
America, make this make sense. This makes no sense. And again, okay, we're, we're starting to enter that time where I start feeling like I've probably kept you more than I should have. I would like to uh, clarify something. Yesterday I was referring to that case in Michigan, supposedly where those dope-smoking, white supremacists, Donald Trump-loving, I don't know what you call them, were planning on kidnapping the governor, Governor Whitmer. And I, I said something wrong. There were six people that were indicted and prosecuted. Two went ahead and pled out. Two were acquitted and two mistrial. So I, I kind of got that wrong. I think I said uh, two were found not guilty and the FBI was coming around for round two. They were not found not guilty. It was a mistrial. They're going to retry those cases. But again, they're going to have people like myself asking questions that they need to be able to answer. It does appear, or it did to those people, that it looked like there was a lot more planning by the FBI than there was those guys having any type of motivation to kidnap anybody. It's going to be a hurdle to jump over. You're going to have to convince those people as to why it looks like there were more FBI informants involved with that than they had participants to begin with. So... You know, good luck with that. I hope justice prevails. But when you see things like we talked about today, it makes you wonder. This is President Trump. He has a lot of attorneys. He has a lot of resources to fight this. What happens when you're the average guy? Maybe you do like those two young men did. Maybe they got a good deal. You go ahead and plead out and get a reduced sentence and pray to God that you don't end up in a uh, regular prison. Hopefully they got into a federal prison. But I'm, I'm thinking they're regretting now that they took their lawyer's advice after watching how this played out. And I could be wrong, but I think eventually it will be, at best, another mistrial, and they're going to have to see if they want to go for a third round. Or maybe next time they're going to be found not guilty. Okay, America, let's try to make this make sense. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today, I invite you to follow the program just on Spotify. You'll see a little button there that says follow. If you have any comments, I would love to hear your comments. I uh, don't have a whole lot, and I get, I'm get able to get to them very promptly. I do appreciate those people who do take the time to leave comments. So I'm going to leave it right there. I'm praying for this country. I'm praying for you and yours, wishing you safety, happiness, and uh, until we can get back together again on Over and Under, I'm Edward Henderson. I'm out like a scout. Bye.